Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got uh, K-State to start playing this during uh, third downs. Yeah, I heard that. I recognized it immediately. And I was like, I feel like Mitch had something to do with this. I get tweeted at when it plays. Like, oh, this was definitely a Mitch thing. (laughs) Anytime Motley Crue (laughs) plays at the Bill, it's like Troy Troy will tweet out like, oh, Mitch definitely had something to do with that. (laughs) No, no. no, I've given them like three or four songs in that baseball uh, the the reason you hear the Ric Flair woo is because I, I made that recommendation. But that's, that's it. That, that's that's been my contributions to the actual sound of the game, other than doing the actual PA announcing. Welcome back to the game. It's hour two of the game. The game after work with Mitch Fortner, David G, Owen Burke, Travion Berkland. We're now the four in studio as Troy is on his way to Morgan Family Arena for K State volleyball. First serve six thirty against BYU. I, I've heard it's sold out. Wow. There tonight. So uh, best of luck to uh, Jason Mansfield and the K-State volleyball team tonight taking on a good BYU squad. Well, if you missed hour one of the game, you missed a good first hour because we had Curry Sexton on. We typically have him on right now, but we had to adjust the schedule. He had an event at 5 o'clock, so uh, he joined us in the middle of hour number one, and he gave us his reasons as to why he feels that Avery Johnson, first K-State should get to just a primary quarterback, and why it should be the true freshman Avery Johnson. My reaction, and by the way, I mean, Curry's probably the smartest person we've talked to all No disrespect to anybody else, but yeah. Curry played the game. He played at K-State. He played college football. He was definitely the smartest guy to talk to about this kind of situation. And he brought up some very good points, uh, not just about the quarterbacks, but this maybe being a trap game against Houston. And, you know, and I, you know, he brought up some great reasons, but the, uh, the Avery Johnson stuff is, is pretty good. When he mentioned that, though, my thought was, man, you want to talk about if that was the way, maybe not against Houston, but down the road, Texas game, whatever, and they decided they're going to go Avery Johnson to start the game and be the primary guy, and Will just has to kind of sit on the bench. I would be the last person that would want to have to have that conversation with Will. That's tough, dude. Holy crap. Man. I can't imagine Mm-mm. that kind of conversation. Nope. Like, listen, Will uh, – you want us a Big 12 championship. You grinded through so much adversity through three years of coming in for injured quarterbacks, and then you finally you earned it. It was your job. Big 12 title. It got to a sugar bowl. We couldn't have done it without you. 
But here's the deal. We feel like it's just in our best interest to win games with a true freshman who's played 14 drives. <laughs> oh. uh, That's uh, probably the least the, the, the least liked part of, of coaching would be that that right there. At least that or telling a guy he's cut or something like that. That would just be awful. It would be awful. If it happens. We're just playing the what-if game. He's still the guy as far as we know. So hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but right now, uh, mm-hmm. the whole quarterback scenario, again. Up in the air. We could give you – we have been left to speculation. Um, other than, you know, Colin Klein, and we've heard this – quote a couple of times and we played it right before the end of the first hour about how you know the way he sees it is that uh you know it's hard to uh you know pre- I'm going to mess up the quote here but it's hard to predict the picture they're currently painting You're right. and, how, and how that'll finish yeah and um so it could be you know week by week that they just go by the the, the particular opponent what the game has given them it just could be different I don't know but a lot of people will disagree with that because you know what college football typically is is a one quarterback game. Sure. It's better to be a one quarterback game. It's too much of a mess if you have two quarterbacks. It's not exactly great for the locker room. But a clip you did not actually hear, a question and comment you did not hear in that clip was just asked about Will Howard and Avery Johnson handling the situation. And Colin Klein said they are absolute pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say this again even a Will would, would not say anything like this deep down, Ooh. I feel like he's. Quite annoyed, yeah. maybe a little pissed off. Not exactly a happy camper. Not and, happy. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. Would you be nope. in his spot a happy camper? He has every right to feel frustrated, and he has every right to voice that frustration, but he's a team guy, and he's going out there and he's doing what he knows that is asked of him is to play, uh, be a, a great teammate, and he's doing it. And he's a good kid. He is a really good kid. I salute him. All right, so in hour number two, we will have Mitch in Vegas. Troy has given me my picks. We're going to have a guest picker in Owen Burke uh, who says he can beat DG. <laughs> and I'm like, well, everybody else well, already is, so welcome to the party. <laughs> yeah, aim higher, Owen. Aim higher. Much hey, higher. I, I picked low for a reason. All right? i got to guard <laughs> the expectations here. That's right. Low-hanging fruit. I am struggling. Uh, let's get to our Houston preview. Uh, we talked to him in the preseason back in August, and he has once again agreed to come on with us and talk Houston Cougar football as we get set for an 11 a.m. kickoff at the Bill. K-State and Houston meeting for the first time ever. We now check in with Joseph Duarte, who writes for the Houston Chronicle. Joseph, thank you so much for your time. Houston right now 3-4 and four with a 1-3 and three mark in Big 12 play. Uh, you know, sports betting is legal in Kansas, and I think when most saw that, well, Texas isn't going to be covering 24-and-a-half today, everybody became Houston fans. Unfortunately, the game came down, of course, to a last drive for Houston, and a bad spot, in my opinion, on that third down play. Is that what everybody in Houston is talking about right now? Almost beating Texas, of course, but do they feel like they were screwed over on that third down and one? Well, anything regarding the Texas Longhorns uh, as it relates to Houston fans is typically a hot-button topic. And, and, and yes, days later, uh, the fan base and, and to an extent, you know, the, the coaches at, at Houston and, and their press conference this week uh, kind of lamented the, 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 the spot there, the conspiracies, the uh, affiliation or college uh, alum, you know, situation of, 
Big 12 replay official. I mean, you go through the whole uh, gamut, and, and yes, it, it, it was a, a big deal. Uh, you know, you look at the replay uh, and how it went down, and, and there was, you know, no indisputable evidence. So, uh, yeah, they felt like the uh, the spot was, as Dana Holgerson put it, terrible and that it should have been a first down, and that sort of was a, a tough way to, to see a, a really good game uh, get decided because, you know, you'll never know if, you know, Houston still doesn't convert that fourth down, but, you know, what would have happened if it would have been first down and you have a minute left, and could they have won it, and, and Dana was going to go for two, so uh, it would have been an exciting finish that we never got to see. Well, let's start, Joseph, with the uh, the Houston defense because, and this was actually brought up a couple of times, Tuesday's press conferences with Chris Kleiman, and even some of the players mentioned this as well, that Texas was up 21 nothing. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, and then, tech, and then Houston starts to come back. Big part of that was the defense and shutting down Texas there for a while. And Chris Kleiman said that Houston just started doing things that they hadn't normally done. What was the difference for Houston defensively that helped lead to that comeback? They planned earlier in the week uh, and really did kind of a crash course on, on going from a, a four-man front to a uh, three-three-five uh, stack. And they, uh, they, they, they felt like what they did against West Virginia was not going to work uh, against a caliber team like Texas. And if they did it, Dana, Dana said they were going to lose 82 to nothing. I mean, they, they felt like they were going to just get blown out. So they, they did some things uh, specifically moving their, their edge rushers, uh, David Uwebu and uh, Nelson Caesar, more off the edge and, and about four or five yards back and, and sort of uh, designed to, you know, they wanted to take away the run. Uh, and also for you know that then that created some some confusion for Texas on on how they were going to be able to approach Houston and it worked. I mean, you you look at the the results. Texas didn't have a lot of explosive plays uh, in the game uh, after that first quarter. I believe it was about fifty or sixty rushing yards. So they they sort of mixed things up. And then you know the big key was Houston got some momentum. Uh, Texas went for a, a fake field goal and got stopped. And from that point, Houston scores the last a touchdown on the last drive of the the first half. They score on the first drive of the second half, and then you have a a tied ball game at that point. So they really uh, they went to the drawing board, changed a lot of things up defensively in, in the small window that they had. And I think it's something that you'll see uh, moving forward. I don't know how much if it's going to be solely what they do with the three three five, but uh, I think you're going to see some elements of it, you know, for the rest of the season from Houston. Well, you mentioned Nelson Caesar, who's a you know, he's an edge rusher. He's right now second in the Big 12 in five and a half sacks uh, so far this year. You know, as a team defensively for Houston, the numbers don't look great. I mean, they're in the bottom four in a lot of stats, but they do have individual talent. But is is Nelson Caesar, would you say he's, and we'll talk offense obviously here in just a moment, but is he the best player on the team? He's one of them. On the defense, I'd, I'd say he is. He's the, the next guy in line. They've had a lot of talented defensive linemen over the last few years that have gone on to the NFL. and They believe that he's the next one. And, and what's made him better is they, they have they went out and got a, you know, Oguebu from Oklahoma. He was an all-Big 12 guy at Oklahoma last year. And you have those two guys. Uh, but I would say between those two and then they really have two emergent uh, interior defense alignment, uh, Chidozi Wonkwo uh, was dominant against West Virginia and their All-American center 
a few weeks ago, and then Jamari Caldwell's the the 325 pound defensive tackle who had two sacks against Texas. Those those four on the D line really give them you know the, the sort of the heart of the defense. And and but to answer your question, long 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 winded here, uh, uh, Nelson, I, I would say that that's safe to say he's he's their best defensive player. And to the offensive side of the football for Houston, no doubt about it. What jumps out is is the passing offense. And you mentioned to me in, during the preseason when we talked back in August that you know when they picked up Donovan Smith in the transfer portal, Dana Holgerson was looking just for that veteran guy that can put up numbers well. I mean, second right now in the Big 12 in passing offense. So, Donovan Smith, your thoughts on him this season and then continuing with the passing game, how deep right now is Houston at wide receiver? Well, on Donovan specifically, who he is now versus what he was at the beginning years completely, the improvement is noticeable. You know, the last few games, uh, you know, going into Texas, I think he was at like an 80% completion rate for the previous three games, and then he has nearly 400 yards against Texas and you know you can just it's just a level of comfort in him getting uh with the system and and getting the reps and and he just he looks like a different quarterback and it helps you know this was an offense last year that was the Tank Dell show that that was the main target everybody knew it uh he was that type of talent they've got four and five guys now that they can throw it to you know everybody coming in the year Matthew Golden was was the the heir apparent to to that uh, receiving uh, title of, you know, top target, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, he's had a great year, but Sam Brown, I mean, he's leading the Big 12 in, in receptions and yards. So you got those two guys. And, oh, by the way, there's a guy named Joseph Manjack who is about as versatile as they come. They can use him, and whether it's out or in the slot. So they've got three right there. And, and then they've had some other guys step like a walk-on, Dalton Carnes and a Oklahoma State transfer, Stephon Johnson, who caught the, the Hail Mary to, to be West Virginia. So they're, in most cases, you know, five and six deep at receiver, and that's allowed them not to have to tap into uh, two of their, their most heralded uh, high school recruits that they've had in a long time here, who, who are probably going to redshirt because they've gotten so much production out of those receivers this year. Take me back to that Hail Mary. I'm sure just seeing it live was quite incredible. Was that the first time you saw a game in like that? <laughs> yeah, there, there's two things I, I've, I've never done in my career. Seen the Hail Mary and covered a no-hitter. Mm. And, you know, the, yeah, so I got one of them out of the way. And it, yeah, it was a it was chaos and uh, how that ensued because it was on the side closest to where the media sits in the press box. So you see the pass go up. And the ball deflected, and, and and actually the guy who caught it nearly stumbled out of the play and wasn't even going to be a factor. But he he righted himself at the right second there and uh, catches it, and then all you know tech breaks loose in the corner there. Uh, but no, it, that was a game with so many twists and turns. It looked like Houston was going to to give up another late touchdown and lose, which has sort of been the thing for them, you know, in the last four years. And with 12 seconds left and helped by a, uh unsportsmanlike call that pushed the, the kickoff back, they got close to midfield pretty fast and, you know, the last few seconds uh, threw it up and, and got a miracle. Speaking with Joseph Duarte, he covers the Houston Cougars for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, one more about the offense, and that's about the O-line. Over the last two games, K-State's been much better at winning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football and also not giving up the big play in the secondary, we, we touched on the passing game there, but Houston's offensive line, how have they done winning the line of scrimmage? 
they've held up better lately. Uh, early on, there were there were some you know some breakdowns, and it was really across the board because you you know you'd have guys in the backfield not picking up assignments or blowing assignments. But the line in general, it's the same five players. Uh, you know they'll sub out a little bit. They were a little concerned on the right side about wearing down in the second half of some Big 12 games, so they would substitute a little bit. But uh, they're, they've been much, much better uh, of late. They have a left tackle who's getting first-round NFL buzz right now, and Patrick Paul, he's about 6'7", and 315, 320 change, somewhere around there. Uh, he's legit. Uh, he has allowed only one pressure all season. And, you know, he was an all, you know, I think it was two or three time all American conference uh, selection. So he, he's the, the anchor there. And then they have a veteran center and, uh, Jack Freeman. So they've, uh, they really have improved lately. And some of the, the, the sacks that they've given up have been more of, uh, you know, coverage type sacks, but, uh, they don't, they don't give up. A lot of pressure lately, and that, that's been a big bonus for, for Houston recently. I want to touch quickly on special teams, because I noticed Matthew Golden has brought two kicks back for a score. Under Dana Holgerson, has special teams typically been this good? It, it's been good at Houston, even predating uh, Dana Holgerson. You know, this is a, a team that I believe it's... Now, Kansas State has 26 kickoff returns for touchdowns since 08, and Houston's second nationally with 20. So they've been good for a while. They weren't so good in coverage against Texas Tech. They allowed a, a kickoff return and had a block punt for another touchdown. But in terms of what they've been able to do, uh, last couple years ago, Marcus Jones is with the Patriots, had a couple of big returns. Golden's the guy now. Uh, but, yeah, they've uh, they've been able to, to do and, and create uh, field position-wise uh, for quite a while with the special teams. All right, and last one here, Joseph, is about just the health of Houston. How healthy will Houston be heading into this game Saturday? They're good. Uh, you know, they, there was a concern about the, the, the defensive tackle Caldwell, but it just happened to be uh, full-body cramps, and he got carted off because they didn't want to carry a 325-pound guy off, and so it looked worse than it was. But other than that, they don't have any major injuries, and, and that's unusual going into you know week nine or week eight uh, of the uh, of the football season. Yeah, no kidding. K-State has not been that fortunate all year long. They've been battling health, but uh, hopefully they'll be a little bit better at the wide receiver position this week against Houston. But, Joseph, I assume are you going to be making the trip up to Manhattan? I'll be there. All right, looking forward to seeing you. Joseph, really appreciate your time, and, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Once again, from the Houston Chronicle, that is Joseph Duarte joining us here on the game to give us a preview of the Houston Cougars. 11 a.m. kickoff, 11.01 to be exact. Shout out to ESPN2 giving you that uh, extra 60 seconds to get into the stadium. It's also homecoming uh, here in Manhattan with the parade tomorrow and, of course, the game tomorrow at 11 a.m. First ever meeting between K-State and Houston. We'll take our next time out. When we come back, Mitch in Vegas, Week 9. Boy, I tell you what, Deej and I really need to catch up bad. Yikes! Next game. How lucky can one guy be? I'm ready to make some cash. I need a big weekend. Me too. Let's go, Owen. Go head to head, boy. I'm ready. I'm ready. No pressure. I'm coming at you. I mean, you're even money right now. You just got to the casino. We've been here for weeks trying to find a way. 
Yeah. To break even. Chain smoking. I'm all worried. I'm all, I gotta take a shower. What What week of college football are we in? What week is this? This is week nine. Nine? Yeah, you guys are in trouble. I do a weekly betting segment on my podcast and odd weeks. I started the first three, so it was what? Weeks one, three, and five. Three and oh each week. Damn. So, well, we pick six. We don't screw around here. <laughs> this is it's, big boy time. We take it real serious in here. I yeah, know we do. do. All right, let's step into the casino because we got six picks to make. And you know how we do. Oh, actually, I need to give you the standing updates real quick. Uh, so last week, the people had the big week. Hmm. Six and oh. Wow. People. Great job. Troy and I go five and one. DG with a whopping two and four. Ugh. Man, I tried to switch it up and make some. You did. You, you know, did. I was like, I'm going to go wild, and that was the mistake. All right, so game one, we start with the Cats. They host Houston. K-State is 5-2, and two, looking to become bowl eligible on Saturday with a dub. Houston looking for win number two, and they would probably prefer to not be via Hail Mary. <laughs> um, you know, have to put it down on that. At least they hope for the opportunity, at the very least. Um, but K-State is a heavy favorite. 17 points. Troy will be picking K-State. The people, the people pick K-State. I'll let Owen go first here uh, in the studio. What do you think? You know, this is a tough one. I think the weather's going to play a factor, and I didn't really take that into account when I first made the pick. I'm going to go Houston plus 17, all right, and the thought process here, usually I don't bet on my own teams, so here we go. If I go Owen one to start, I'm, I'm celebrating a 17-point win. I'm happy either way. 17 and a ha- it's a hook, too? No, there's no hook, just okay. 17. 17. Is a ton, is a ton, but Houston is cheeks. So I'm going K State. I'm laying the points at home. Homecoming, it's going to be like 24 nothing or 31 nothing. Yeah, Curry mentioned earlier that he felt that uh, the weather will benefit K State. The thing is, though, the way the forecast is laid out right now, and Owen, you might have to back me up on this, but I believe, and as I looked at it earlier today, rain. Like the eighty percent chance of showers not expected until one o'clock. Is that right? Yeah, on uh, Saturday. Yeah, mainly after one p.m. Okay, so there you go. We're looking at rain. It's going to be cold. I mean, the high is only forty, right? Uh, so we're looking at second half rain. K State, the last three games have been averaging twenty three points at home in the first half. Um, so I think K State. It'll be like last week a little bit. Although I do respect the passing game of Houston. They're going to score a few more points. The Cats going to score in the 40s. They're going to win by more than 17 points. Game number two, we stay in the Big 12, and we head east to Lawrence. And, again, shout out to the Jayhawks. Congratulations. They sold out the game. Shout out to the Oklahoma fans. Uh, that probably did it. Uh, but the booth sold out for number six, Oklahoma, at Kansas. Well, the Sooners are undefeated. Do they stay undefeated? Do they cover 10 points? Troy will go Oklahoma. The people say Sooners. Owen, do you like KU plus 10, or are you going to go OU? Yeah, you know, I probably disappointed some people out there with the first Houston pick. I'm not going to do it again. We're going <laughs> OU minus 10. All right, I think the boys are going to get in there and take care of business in Lawrence. No Jalen Daniels, huh? Jalen Daniels out. My back coach, he's still giving them that old line. <laughs> I about said something else. Um, good, Great save. Great save. <laughs> Doctor says I need a backyotomy. Um, let's go Sooners. I feel weird about that game, though. I feel super weird. Um, a couple years when, you know, KU was horrid, they went, Oklahoma went up there and kind of, but 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take the Sooners. Let's yeah. go. Oklahoma, this will be their first road test. Sure. Other than Cincinnati, but it's Cincinnati. I would assume KU's a little bit better than Cincinnati. Yeah. This will be a little bit more of a test, but they, I think they got a shaky performance out of the way against UCF. Yeah. Oklahoma's defense, KU is going to have a tough time with them, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll see, but at the same time, KU's defense is Garbaggio. <laughs> That is, putting it lightly. <laughs> Dylan Gabriel's going to have some passing yards in this yeah, one. He's a uh, so I am actually going to take Oklahoma. Question real quick before we move on to the next game. Does, does Jalen Daniels play for the rest of the year? No. I, I think he's done I with think KU. he is, too. That's I, just a hunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have anything to back it up. Yeah. But that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, this it was already shady when he was out on the field at Texas, warming up, and then all of a sudden he can't go. Yeah. You know, I, I, I get it. Like, things happen in warm-ups once in a while, but Leipold gave us this, well, he's making progress, BS. I'll believe it when I see it. For sure. It's a weird situation. There's a weird mojo around that football team and that situation in particular. No, I don't think he plays the rest of the season. All right. Game tray is the world large, world's largest cocktail party. Uh, in Jacksonville, number one, Georgia, still undefeated without their top guy in Brock Bowers. Florida, they won a couple of games here lately. Graham Mertz looking decent. Y'all know I'm not a Graham Mertz guy. Uh, he's looking all right. 230 on CBS. Uh, in the line is Georgia favored by 14 and a half. Troy likes Uga. And meanwhile, the people are going to go Georgia as well. Owen. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride both of those picks as well. I know I've got a couple buddies that are Flores fans that are not gonna be happy, but I think the defense makes a statement in this game. Graham Mertz has had a really good year, really underrated year, but That's I think good. the the UGA defense is here to play on Saturday. This is at Florida. No, it's it's Georgia, Florida. So they they always play in Jacksonville. Oh, in Jacksonville. That's right. Um, is Florida? Any good? Are they good? Or I, I mean, remember. like you know, it's one of those things. Every weekend, I just expect them to be like beating people, and they're just not. And yeah. like it just fourteen in a hook scares me. But I, I'll I'll lay the points. Florida has the exact same record as K State: five and two, three and one. And they lost like Florida State. And Nuh-uh. they lost to let's see, they lost to Kentucky. They have an L against Utah. Oh, geez. so Utah and Kentucky, and that's that's where the defense comes in. Utah yeah. is winning on defense. I think UGA, the dogs are going to get it yeah, done. Yeah, dogs going to get it done. Fourteen and a half. I like Georgia too. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to go Georgia. Uh, let's see, game three. Well, speaking of Utah, we're going to head to the Pac-12. Uh, this is where College Game Day will be. Uh, yeah. It's going to be Oregon and Utah. Both teams are one loss. So this is a college football playoff eliminator is what I'm calling it. Um, Number eight, Oregon at number 13, Utah. Ducks by six and a half. People will go Oregon. We got a little difference here finally. As Troy says, Utes. Owen? I'm going to I'm gonna have to agree with Troy on this one. That, that Utah defense has made me a believer in the last two years. I'm not a huge Bo Nix guy. I think hmm. that's going to be the story is that Utes defense trying to shut Bo Nix out of the college football playoff in his 55th career college football game. <laughs> yeah, for real. The dude's like Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, he's the Cal Ripken of, of college football. He's played a 1,000 games. Um, 
Did you watch at all any of the end of that USC Utah game? Any you guys watched that? Oh yeah, the game winning field goal for uh-huh. for Utah. Yeah, at so the Coliseum. They were it was like twenty eight fourteen. They were in control of that game. Then they give up a couple scores, and then close the deal out on the road. Um, there is something kind of special about this team. I, they're well coached. They're tough. That backup quarterback ain't bad. Um, yeah, I'll take Utah as well. Let's go, Utah. I'm going to be different. I'm going to go Oregon. It, this line was at seven points, and I was thinking that's a push. Yeah. I think this is a seven-point game, but now since it's six and a half, Oregon covers, mm. and they win the game by seven. Uh, next, back to the Big 12. Boy, I'm sure everybody's ready to tune in for this one. Iowa State at Baylor. 2.30 ESPN Plus. Oh, God, the game of the century. Cyclones are favored by two and a half. Troy likes Iowa State to get it done and cover two and a half, and so does the people. What does Owen think? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go Iowa State here, too. This is probably the first game that I didn't feel super confident about because yeah. I'm like, this, this could be anything. I'm going to go with the people. I'm going to go Iowa State. This is uh, one of those every week you pick one where I just don't give a hoot, and I this is a piece of junk. Uh, I'll go Iowa State too. I feel uh, no, I don't feel good about either team, and I think they both stink. And I uh, hope we wax them. So yeah, Iowa State. Uh, what am I getting to or giving? You're getting to? two and a half. Oh. Uh, I, I'm actually again going to be a little bit different. I'm going Baylor. I'm going home team. I'm going Blake Shapin. Uh, you know this this jolly good time that Iowa State's have been having the last three or four weeks. Good for them. They've won a few games. They won at Cincinnati. Yeah. Whoop de doo. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Baylor, <laughs> boy, they need a win Yikes. bad, don't they? they do. I think Iowa State is a good victim <laughs> for the Bears in Waco. So I'm going to take Baylor to get it done. Uh, and then the final game, decided to throw a game in there that does actually have some uh, division conference standing implications. But it's a group of five that maybe nobody really knows a whole lot about. Maction on Saturday. Winner will be in first place of the East standings. Miami, Ohio at Ohio. Bobcats, that's Ohio. Bobcats are favored by seven points, 2.30 on CBS Sports Network. <laughs> Troy, Troy has picked the Bobcats. The peeps say Ohio Bobcats. Owen, do you know anything about Maction? Uh, I unfortunately do not. So I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride minus seven. I'm going to go with Ohio. I know that that's confusing for the people at home just to go with Ohio, but that's what we're going with. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Ohio. You know, <laughs> I go, which one? Um, I know Maction. I'm all over the Maction. I turn it to the CW and I, oh, no, wait, that's ACC. Um, I'm going to go Miami of Ohio. Give me the points. Ben Roethlisberger Jr. back there is going to do some business and get the win. On the road, to give me the championship and Mac champions. Buckle up. Here's what I know. Uh-oh. Ohio beat Iowa State at home. That led to an Iowa State fan chirping and getting after Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell is then ready to fight that fan. That's right. Because of that, I'm going to pick Ohio. Right on. To cover seven points. That, the, the, the smirk on that guy's face as he turned around, that might be just enough to give Ohio... <laughs> Just enough over the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. That's Mitch in Vegas, and when we come back, number one song of the day after a quick break and after these words.
You ready? Hey, it's the game, uh, 1350 KMAN, Mitch. Um, what movie should no human have to sit through? What movie would you say is just garbage ball? Houston defense. You know, that's a tough call. Um, I feel like anybody should sit through any movie. You know, everybody's got different tastes. Sure. However, do not sit through Night at the Roxbury. I like a good Saturday Night Live inspired movie. You know, something taken from an SNL skit. Wayne's World, of course, is very famous. It's Pat the Movie is super underrated. Yeah, it's a great movie. Night at the Roxbury is the worst movie I've ever seen. Wow. I love Will Ferrell. It's Pat sucks, dude. That movie is horrible. I told you. I told you. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You're gutting me like a fish today. Night at the Roxbury. It's okay. Like Whoa. that's that's one I can like turn on and like not think it's about anything. It's, a hot take. it's not that funny. Though. Amelia, that's that's oh. crazy. Eh. Yeah, Night at the Roxbury. No, thank you. Also, when's the last time Eddie Murphy made a good movie? Uh, Shrek, right? Or Doctor Doolittle? Does that count? No. Does voice acting count? No. For, yeah, for making a good movie. I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I said um, on Netflix, my wife and I were super excited to watch Run, Rabbit, Run, and it sucked so bad. Please don't watch it. It's weird and dumb. Please watch the Cats. Go to the game on Saturday, 11 a.m. Yeah. K-State and Houston. We're done for the week. Best of tomorrow. For everybody, go Cats.